0: Hello, Hello. Spooky Oaky listeners. We're excited to be back recording. This is a true crime episode. True crime episode today. So I don't know how to start this. I'm really tired. I've literally been on Zoom like the past two days. (laughs) I've never on Zoom, but I've just been on it like constantly, like literally all day today I've been on Zoom, which has been fun. It's been great, but I'm like out of it, I feel like.
1: Yeah, I get that. I'm like, it's a week that I actually had to teach five days. Well, go to work five days, not teach five days, but go to work five days. And I'm like, I don't know if we have to go to a five-day week next year. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm tired.
0: <laughs> not after having a four-day week. Like, I'd be like, no, I'm not going back to five days. Why would I do that?
1: Exactly. It's rough.
0: <laughs> Man. uh, All right. Anything new? Any updates?
1: Any updates? Um I don't think so. Oh. Um I can pay for my my house. So I'm good. Oh good. <laughs> On the mortgage shortage. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I may I may be 28, but my parents, they come in clutch. <laughs> oh, so nice. They're the best. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Since I take care of my grandma, I can't go out and get another job, so. And we don't have yeah. enough Patreon supporters yet to, <laughs> to help. Yeah, you guys, that, so.
0: come on.
1: <laughs> oh. Where are you guys at? Come on, support us.
0: Right. Come through, please. Yeah. I don't think I have any updates. <laughs> I did a Zoom workshop with the casting director the last couple of days. It's really fun, really cool. Um, yeah, that's nice. why I've been on Zoom constantly. So yeah, it has been a blast. Um, I've got my like set up here pretty good, like my lights and I mean I don't have all my backdrop and everything right now for this, but like for auditions and stuff I've got everything like organized like I want it now which is exciting so nice
1: yeah that's about it um yeah oh a former student of mine said that she and uh her mom started listening to our podcast so that's exciting. yay all right shout out to you shout out Whoever to my are. student they know, they know <laughs> who they are so <laughs> yes love that how fun yep their mom saw our post on Facebook about starting the video. So they started watching it on Facebook. So yay. Oh,
0: I love that. Yeah. Um, I did get all of the like older episodes uploaded to YouTube as well. They're obviously just audio, okay. but everything is on right. there now. We're like caught up. So
1: exciting. That's exciting.
0: Yeah. That's so for you guys exciting. just listening on like, you know, Spotify, Apple podcast, things like that. We also have YouTube videos now. So yay! if you want to watch us tell the stories too, find us on YouTube.
1: I'm sure the facial expressions I make are very entertaining.
0: Oh yes. I'm sure mine are too. Either that (laughs) or like, you can see me like randomly zoning out.
1: I don't know. (laughs) Either way. When I haven't had my Mountain Dew beforehand, me trying to like contain the yawns as I'm... (laughs) Yeah. I'm
0: really tired this weekend. Yeah. I was telling my sister earlier, I was like, the weekends are so much busier than the week. Like try and catch up on everything. I have not had any downtime mm-hmm. at all lately. I'm so tired. Like I'm exhausted. I feel like I look tired on this one too. Like I feel like I can barely keep my eyes open. So.
1: Hey, well, if you look tired, I look tired too. <sighs> so it's fine. Gotta get some
0: energy. <laughs> All right, so should we just jump right in? Yeah, let's do it. Perfect. Do you want me to go first? I feel like I always ask that, but I always end up going first, so I I should just be like, this is our order. This is what we do. (laughs) It's okay. Let me get mine. Let me get this all situated. Okay, so I am going to tell the story of the murder of Reverend Carol Daniels.
1: Ooh. it is. reverend?
0: Yeah, it's... It's brutal. So, like, trigger warning. It's just, it's just brutal. Just like very, very violent. Um, So, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Another one. I feel like I'm doing so many that are just like brutal. Ugh. I mean, I guess it's true crime. That's
1: fine. (laughs) Oh, okay.
0: All right. Well, let me say my sources. Then I used uh, the Unresolved podcast. They had a really good episode on it, so I got a lot of information from them. I used thecrimewire.com, news9.com, and practicalhomicide.com. So. Awesome. All right. So, Carol Faye Dunlap was born on October 26, 1947 to Theopolis and Charles Atta Dunlap in Oklahoma City. They have cool names, too, like Theopolis. Isn't
1: that cool? That's really cool.
0: I read that and I was like, I love that. It's so cool um so carol was the second of four children after high school she attended college in texas before transferring to central state university now is called uco where i went so roll shows
1: shout
0: Um, out Woohoo! i know it like back-to-back episodes too like you got your shout out for yours last week i think Uh uh-huh yeah and then i got to shout mine out anyway so she went to my college But um, she graduated in 1971 with a bachelor's degree in chemistry and biology. So very smartly. Yeah. And then on June 25th of 1971, she married Alvin Daniels and they moved to Spokane, Washington. They had five children together. Yeah, they moved far away. Um, They had five kids together. And then in 1978, they moved back to Oklahoma. So uh, Carol always like... There's such a lag here. I feel like I'm like stopping and then starting like very awkwardly. It's like really laggy today, I feel like.
1: It is. I'm not sure why.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, that is what it is. Um. So Carol loved education and continued to further her education once they moved back to Oklahoma. She earned an additional associate's degree in health technology, and she attended classes at OU Medical Science Center And she also had 50 hours toward a master's degree in health administration. Wow. Yeah, for her. I know. Very smart lady. So then in 1990, she was ordained by the Christ Holy Sanctified Churches. She was a member of the Holy Temple Church in Oklahoma City.
1: That's really cool to have somebody that like in ministry that's got the science background.
0: (laughs) I thought that was cool too. Yeah, she's like. She's really cool, like, really cool. And I feel like, even just, I mean, I guess that was 1990, so it wasn't a super long time ago, but just like, even for like a woman to be ordained and like, yeah, I just I mean, thought that was awesome. And, oh, an, and she's a black woman. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I was yeah, like, that's really good. Knock down those mir- barriers, girl. Like, she's getting Exactly. It. Yeah,
1: she's awesome. I mean, like, the more sci- I read about science. Her, Science in the church is still a hard thing and it's 2023. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for her to have the science background, go into ministry, she's a woman, she's a black woman. I mean, that's impressive.
0: Oh, yeah. The more I read about her, the more I was like, she was so cool. Like, so awesome. So, anyway, that was in 1990. And uh, during her time in ministry, she held a lot of offices within the church. She was the secretary slash treasurer for the Oklahoma, I guess, branch of the Christ Holy Sanctified Churches. And she also had a lot of like offices within the church on a national level. So she was really, really involved. Cool. And then in 2001, she was appointed pastor of the Worthy Temple Church in Anadarko, Oklahoma. And so for nice. those who don't know, for those who don't know, Anadarko is a small town about 60 miles southwest of Oklahoma City, uh, it has a population of approximately 6,000 people, so a pretty small town. And so she still lived in Oklahoma City, but she would make that like hour-long drive to Anadarko regularly to hold services. And wow, um, that's a drive. <laughs> I know. She was like so committed, but so the church itself was located like near a high crime area in the town. So like not the greatest location, but she still was like making the drive back and forth all the time. Like very, very committed. And uh, the church did really well at first, but it eventually kind of died off and they stopped having the regular services. And then, uh, mm, sorry, hard. I, I don't know what to do with these lags. Like it's so laggy. <laughs> it's so awkward. <laughs> um. So she was like, really, really dedicated to her position and to her faith. And she would still make the trip every single Sunday morning just in case anybody wanted to stop by the church. Like they didn't have regular services, but she would make the drive just in case somebody wanted to stop by.
1: Wow. That's awesome.
0: I know. Uh, by all accounts, she was really well-respected in the community, even though she didn't live in the community, she was always involved in like charitable events she was also one of the few people who would help the large transient population in the town. So she was just very into like outreach and helping people. Awesome. She also like another thing that I kind of learned through researching her is she really cherished all of her different roles in life, including like pastor, mother, grandmother by this point. Um, she was just like very committed, just a very good person. So moving on to the not so fun stuff.
1: I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah,
0: we're just going to get right into it, I guess. Um, So on Sunday, August 23rd of 2009, 61-year-old Carol made her usual trip to her church in Anadarko. By this point, there were no longer any regular services, but she made sure she was there every Sunday morning just for anyone who needed to stop by. So still making that like hour-long drive. Wow. Yeah. She arrived at the church at 10 o'clock that morning, which was like pretty typical for her. And then at 1140 AM, retired Bishop Silky Wilson Jr. and his wife, Julia, stopped by the church uh, because they had some plans to meet with Carol that day. And even though, yeah, even though her car was in the parking lot, the front door of the church was locked, which was really unusual. Like her whole reason for being there is in case anybody needed to stop by, like to have the church open, that sort of thing. So they thought it was really strange that like, The church was locked at 1140 a.m. That's not a good sign. Not a good sign. Not a good start. So they knocked on the door. And then when that failed, they began knocking on window panes around the church. They got really concerned, though, when there was still no response. And so they decided to walk to the police station for help because it was only like half a block away. Like, I guess you can see it from the church. It's really close. Oh, okay. Okay. So they went there, told them what was going on, and then police officer Ashley Burris agreed to go and check on Carol, because everybody kind of agreed, like, that's out of character, like, what is happening? Uh, Just a few minutes after noon, Officer Burris entered another door on the south side of the building and discovered a gruesome scene. Oh, no. He found Carol's body nude, lying on the floor behind the pulpit, Her body had been posed with her feet together and arms outstretched um, as though she was on a crucifix.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, She had been stabbed multiple times, mostly like in her neck and her throat, to the point where she was almost decapitated. Holy crap. Yeah, it was brutal. Uh, Her clothes were missing from the scene completely, like they couldn't find them. Her hair had also been set on fire, and her body was covered in some sort of... Yeah, her body was covered in some sort of cleaning solution too. So it was just like really extreme. And the posing of the body, it is just it was it was very weird. Um, so that officer like exited the church immediately and called for backup. And the autopsy revealed that she had died of multiple sharp force injuries, aka stabbing, which I think they kind of knew. Uh, so the Anadarko police immediately began their investigation. Uh, they quickly called in the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation for help. Frustratingly, the cleaning solution that covered Carol's body had effectively destroyed any DNA evidence.
1: Oh, so no.
0: it seemed very intentional, very planned, because that's just, you don't do that, you know, like, that they right. meant to destroy evidence. Like, that was, that was the purpose. It's, like, pretty obvious, you know? Yeah. So, so she had no known enemies. Um, no one in the surrounding area claimed to have witnessed anything. Surveillance footage from a nearby convenience store showed that she entered the church at 10 a.m., but showed nothing else. So just a dead end. Like nobody knew wow. who else had been there. Um, there was just no evidence at all to find. Um, they they searched the church and the surrounding areas, like, couldn't find any physical evidence inside or outside of the church. So they began to like canvass the neighborhood. Uh, eventually, they found a knife in the drain of a nearby car wash, and they believed that it might have been the murder weapon. But tests proved that the oh, knife wow. had been there. Tests proved that the knife had been there like way long longer than than they thought. So it was not the murder weapon; it had already been there when it had happened. Oh, so just just a, just random a nice knife.
1: random knife.
0: <laughs> okay, it was like I don't I don't remember how long they said the blade was. It was like. It was a big knife. I was like, why is there an...
1: Okay, we're not going to address so that. Maybe anymore. we need to check that knife and see if it's connected to any other crimes because right, <laughs> it's right. real sketchy.
0: Yeah, I was like in the drain of a car wash. Like, I don't feel like that accidentally happens, but okay, whatever. Anyway, it led no, to nothing so for either. this case. Yeah, <laughs> it led to nothing for this case. Um, So within days, Anadarko police and the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation, the OSBI... Announced that they had no suspects and very few leads, which is like I yeah. feel like kind of strange for them to come out and be like, "We don't know anything. Help us!" Like they yeah. were like we don't have any anything like no suspects, not really any leads. They offered a ten thousand dollar reward, hoping it would lead to some sort of information. Um, and it did lead to an influx of information and in leads. However, none of the information led to anything. It was just people trying Jeez. to call in about stuff, you know.
1: Right just trying to get the money
0: yeah so um eventually a new surveillance video surfaced and it did show that someone was like sprinting away from the church and crossing the street and they were carrying some sort of object in their hand. it was also like right around the time of the murder so it could have been the killer. however, it was such okay. bad quality that they couldn't get any information from it like, gosh dang it any details any defining features like nothing it was just horrible like a blur so that didn't help I know um I will say I honestly didn't even add this in my notes again I told you I was like really chaotic writing these notes I feel like but um they they there were a lot of people who thought it might have been a serial killer um, and so they even like got together the pastors of other churches, like different church leaders in the area. And they were like, you guys need to be careful. Cause it could be like a serial killer targeting pastors is kind of what they thought because of how the body was posed wow. and just that sort of thing. There were people who thought it was probably a satanic cult. Um, there's just like a ton of different theories about it, but nothing that has really any evidence like but they did. I mean, they did during the investigation like go out of their way to like warn other church leaders to be careful just in case.
1: Wow, that's crazy. Isn't that? So, scary? Did, was there any other crimes like during mm-hmm. that time? It was just uh, because no. of how ritualistic it was that they thought exactly. it could be a trend. Yes. Okay, gotcha.
0: Yeah. And so they actually like they quickly kind of hit a dead end. They didn't have any any evidence of anything. And so they like attempted to identify a possible motive and like see what was going on. Like that was kind of, I mean, one of the main things they were trying to do was like, is there a ser- serial killer? Is this like really ritualistic? Is this like cult activity? What's going on? They, right. ended, they ended up deciding on a foiled robbery as the motive. I don't know what led them to decide on that because that makes zero sense to me personally obviously i'm not an investigator and i don't have all the information but like i don't know why you would try to rob a failing church
1: that already doesn't
0: have like regular services and unless you think that the person was like
1: on drugs like there would be no reason for somebody to try to rob
0: yeah so that's kind of what they thought it's like a really high crime area a lot of drug use um And actually, my next bullet point is, uh, although no suspects had been identified, rumors quickly spread around town that the murder was committed by two known violent drug dealers. Um, Mm. There wasn't any evidence to support those claims yet, but that's kind of that was like that was the talk around town is it was like these two known violent drug dealers. So I guess it could have been, but there is a convenience store across the street. There's like there's other businesses that would make a lot more sense. Yeah, I don't think they really but, got anything from her like it didn't seem like a robbery and it seemed so incredibly brutal and ritualistic to be a robbery it seemed way too personal personally that's what I think
1: yeah typically if it's a like a robbery gone wrong it's like you kill him, you're done you're out like but to it's take not the time, yeah. to pose the body mm-hmm. get rid of evidence all that kind of stuff that's typically not a a robber's mo Right. And my thought is, like, even if they were, like,
0: on drugs doing all of this, I don't know that they would have thought through enough to be, like, here, we are going to take the clothes to take evidence. We're going to douse the body in a cleaning solution to destroy any DNA evidence. We're going to burn her hair off. We're going to pose her in a crucifix position. Like, it it's too yeah. personal and too too brutal and too planned to me to be like oh she's in here we can't rob the place we're gonna do all this stuff it just doesn't make sense right there also was no evidence of like any sort of like sexual abuse to the body or anything like that um and so that was a little strange too just because it was so like personal and her clothes were gone and that sort of thing but they think it was like very planned that they took the clothes for like a practical reason, like to get rid of the evidence, um, instead of like, yeah. Wow. So it's just confusing. But anyway, they I guess decided on robbery as the motive. Again, they yeah, have more just information.
1: Makes sense. <laughs>
0: no. They have more information than I have. So maybe they have a reason to think that. But like I read that and I was like, what are you talking about? That doesn't even make any sense. So unless
1: there's something like, I don't know how, you know, that kind of church is set up. Like, I mean, I don't know if there's some sort of ornate decor that they thought they could get money from. Maybe, but but it,
0: it didn't sound like anything was stolen from the church though.
1: That's yeah. See, that doesn't make sense.
0: And I mean, again, they weren't having regular services, so they don't have people bringing in offerings and stuff, most likely um people would stop by sometimes but like they didn't have services and even when they were having services it was mostly like elderly people from the nursing home that was I guess close so like
1: yeah I don't that's not gonna it wasn't a rich church contribution Mm -hmm. yeah
0: no so it just didn't really make a lot of sense but that's I guess what they decided on so yeah dang yeah but still unsolved still unsolved. So there's a little bit more they sort of tried okay. to solve it. I I mean they've been looking. Like they've been actively looking. They've right. assigned people to this case over and over because it was only 2009, so it really wasn't that long ago. Um I mean it's it was a while long. now, but but not, you know, not back in like the 60s or something. So Right. So after like multiple years with no new leads, finally in 2015, a woman came forward claiming that the two drug dealers were involved, the ones that people around town have been saying and she claimed to have witnessed one of the suspects with a black blouse and a bloody knife around the time of carol's murder the witness also claimed that those items were then burned in a shed but the investigators hit another dead end when the search turned up nothing at all in the shed and the witness died only days later of an overdose
1: oh that's lovely wow great right uh
0: that becomes that's a pattern in this actually gosh Yeah, so so they will like get a little information, and then somebody will die. It's just insane. That's crazy, right? Right. It would be crazy enough even if this was the only one, but it's not. So
1: gosh, okay. Yeah.
0: Um. So the OSBI did conduct polygraph tests on several witnesses and the suspects themselves, but neither of them confessed or anything. Uh. However, in twenty seventeen, uh, because of the woman's testimony in twenty fifteen. The case did go before a multi-county grand jury where the only known suspect so far was identified. This suspect was Denise K. Cooper, an Anadarko resident who had spent time in prison for assault and battery, as well as distribution of a controlled substance. So she was one of the the drug dealers that they were talking about. Um, Gotcha. I hope you cannot hear these sheep screaming outside my door. These baby lambs are so (laughs) loud. They're so loud. I had to like pin them up during my Zoom thing with the casting director because I was like, well, that's embarrassing. They need to stop. They're screaming. I can't hear it. Okay, good. I'm glad you can't hear
1: because I can't hear so it. Anyway, sorry, I'll cut that out. Um, so no, I think you should uh, leave it.
0: <laughs> okay, yes. A glimpse of my life trying to get anything done with farm animals screaming.
1: So uh, did, one just, did one just scream? Mm -hmm. oh they're continuously screaming okay i think i heard it did you hear that one that one was so loud okay no no i didn't what the heck i'm tempted to just grab one
0: and put it on camera do it should i bring a baby layman okay
1: hold on (laughs) yes (laughs) oh
0: no i don't want all of them inside okay
1: okay (laughs) fine
0: oh okay hi babies
1: it's a baby. This is Ron. Hi, and Ron. Then,
0: uh, here's Harry. He came inside too. <laughs> I'm going to try to get them back outside now because they're annoying. So hold on. Okay. <laughs> okay, goodbye, babies. Okay, I'm back. And I'm thinking that was a big mistake because now they're just right outside the door screaming because they want to come back in. Okay.
1: I guess Our first all the guest the stars story. are lambs. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah welcome to my life so um back to this brutal murder
1: uh okay that was your uh reprieve people
0: (laughs) i needed it personally so hope you guys enjoyed um so the grand jury questioned multiple witnesses and while the information presented to the grand jury has never actually been made public It's believed that prosecutors were trying to establish the motive of robbery in the case. That was kind of like what they were trying to do is prove like what the motive was. Unfortunately, the suspect, Denise Cooper, died of cancer before the grand jurors could hear her testimony. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So the district attorney stated that he knew this meant they would not get an indictment. Like they knew it was kind of. Done then, I guess. Um, And that they would have to kind of take another avenue to prosecute the other suspect. But they've never Mm -hmm. released that information. Like, I don't know who the other suspect is, and nothing's been done about it yet. So I don't know if they're still trying to find evidence for that. But they have two suspects, one of which died of cancer before they could hear her testimony. And then the Mm -hmm. other one they've never actually publicly named. So... Uh, they still like tried to call forward possible witnesses for that kind of trial, but none of them would give any information. A lot of the witnesses were like people who had been in prison with these people and like just people who weren't too keen on helping out law enforcement. So they would just like gotcha. not say anything. They would just like not say anything, wouldn't answer questions, and they would be like, Okay, well, never mind. So they wow. it got nowhere. That one got nowhere. And to this day, the murder of Carol Daniels remains unsolved.
1: That's crazy. Yeah. Another like, you would think a person like that, like that's so involved in trying to help the community that somebody even that wouldn't typically talk to law enforcement would talk because of who it was that died. Yeah,
0: you would think so. Because I mean, she was helping everybody. Like, she just helped people all the time. And like, still, they wouldn't, nobody saw anything or wouldn't say anything. So another weird thing about this one is I had briefly mentioned it in a previous episode when I talked about like the 35th degree line, like the line of
1: tragedy, Uh
0: because this was Uh also right on the line of tragedy.
1: Oh, that's crazy.
0: Yeah. Yep. So I like briefly mentioned it in one episode. So then I was like, I'm going to actually do a whole episode on it. So that's
1: crazy. That
0: is the story of Carol Daniels, which sadly is still unsolved. So if you have any information, wow. feel free to contact the OSBI. I'm
1: sure yeah. there's an outline number. Somebody, if, if you see something, say something. Please, please. I feel
0: like that's the moral of the story every time is like, just yeah. come forward if you see something, please. So if anybody knows anything, please contact the OSBI with any information.
1: Wow. Because like you said, it's recent enough. I mean, it's in the 2000s. Like there's yeah. gotta be some clue that they can find. Like, it's just crazy to me that the cleaning solution was that thorough that there was no DNA evidence. I just, I know, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's so crazy. Like they didn't even say what the cleaning solution was, but it was some sort of like really strong chemical apparently because it destroyed everything.
1: Wow. Yeah, they probably don't want to release that because then everybody's probably gonna not to be using that. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, that's insane. Okay, wow. All right, so I'm gonna tell you about the Valentine's Day killer. Ooh, spooky and timely. Yeah. So this episode should come out tomorrow, right? So the day before. Mm, the yeah. Valentine's so day. like tonight at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not that yeah. we record last minute, it's fine.
0: <laughs> no, we're super prepared, obviously.
1: We have these ready months in advance.
0: Right, for sure.
1: All right, so the Valentine's Day Killer. My sources are New York Daily News.com, the com, dot com, uh, nbcnews.com. And the oklahomamedicalboard.org, just because I I got just a tiny piece of information from there, they didn't really cover the story. And then um, there is an episode of True Crime with Aphrodite Jones. It's season three, episode six, um, that covers this story. Um, I didn't watch the whole episode. It was on um, premium subscriptions of things that I don't have. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I did watch a little clip from it on YouTube, so. Okay. All right. So on February 14th, 2001, John Baxter Hamilton came home after performing a surgery to find his wife, Susan, lying naked in the bathroom floor in a puddle of blood. Oh. He'd been beaten and strangled with neckties. Her face was messed up and almost completely unrecognizable from being slammed repeatedly on the tiled floor. Oh my goodness. Okay. John immediately called 911. He told the operator he was trying to do CPR after he couldn't find a pulse and she wasn't breathing. Uh the operator told him that they would get somebody there as soon as possible and John said he was going to hang up because he was going to continue doing CPR.
0: Okay. and Once he's a doctor, right? Are-
1: he's a doctor. Okay. Um cuz he came home from performing surgery, so he right, is a surgeon. Right. Um When emergency workers arrived, she was pronounced dead on the scene. Okay. Everyone was horrified. Um, Everybody that knew her loved her. Um, She was uh, helpful in the community. She ran um, some volunteer work, some nonprofit work. Uh, They all are asking who could have done this. Was it a robbery gone bad? Was it a random violent attack? Or could it be an anti abortion protester who went too far? Because oh, okay. John Baxter Hamilton was an OBGYN uh, who, in addition to his regular practice, also ran an abortion clinic. So, okay. Okay. this is 2001. I mean, still today in Oklahoma, abortion is a heated topic. Right. Right. So,
0: yeah, that makes yeah, sense. So, that, that would be a theory.
1: Abortion clinic. Yeah yeah it's gonna be hard um so um Susan and John had been married for 15 years they both had been previously married um and it was a little bit after they separated from those marriages that they met each other uh everyone who knew them said that they were in love and had the most picturesque marriage that they were just the sweetest couple very much in love okay okay they were inseparable. Um, Susan even worked a couple of days a week at the abortion clinic that John ran, oh, okay. and everyone at the clinic said that John only had eyes for her. Aww. Investigators started looking into the numerous threats made against the couple by an anti by anti-abortion protesters. Mm-hmm. Uh, the couple received death threat death threats on a um, like weekly basis. Um, and one group had even started picketing outside their home the week of the murder.
0: Okay. Okay. So it's all like escalating on that front. So that's it's escalating. That, makes sense, that they would, yeah. Think it might be that.
1: Look at, yeah. Yeah. So, um, a few of the things that had happened, uh, were people set, tried, uh, people had tried to set fire to his clinic, his abortion clinic. Uh, they vandalized their home. And they even put up posters around the community, including their children's school, saying wanted dead or alive. Oh, my goodness. These people are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So the investigators checked out the protesters, but nothing panned out. They also looked into John, but he had an alibi for that morning. He had a surgery at seven that morning um, and went over to the hospital um, when he finished at eight where uh some of his colleagues had talked to him he went home quickly to drop off valentine's day gifts for his wife mm-hmm. but he immediately got called back to the hospital because he had been paged for another surgery so he only okay. spent a few minutes at home yeah so um he goes back to the hospital and does the surgery at ten forty-five. he goes back to his house um and during that time the hospital said you know, when they interviewed him, you know, double checking things, they all said that he was friendly and calm, just like he always is. Nothing yeah. out of the ordinary. Yeah. So they've investigated the husband. Um, however, investigators did find a Valentine's Day card from Susan to John in his Jaguar that made them believe everything wasn't as picture perfect as it seemed. Ooh, drama. Yeah, so her card to him said, I bought my cards two weeks ago, so I guess maybe they don't seem as appropriate now, but I do still love you. Have a good day, Susan. Yikes. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Not great. Not a good look. Nope. So in addition to having fights over money problems, um, because, and I didn't get a lot of clear information. Nobody said exactly what these money problems were, just Mm -hmm. that they were fighting over money problems. Um, the next door neighbor had additional information to tell. So she told investigators that Susan had confided to her that John had been calling and receiving calls from a number that she didn't know. Mm, Okay. when, when she asked him about it, he told her it was a patient who was experiencing mental health problems. And that although he might be like pushing it as far as where his, you know, boundaries lie as a healthcare professional, it was not anything like cheating wise. Right. Okay. Um, The patient was a woman who worked as a stripper at a nightclub. Okay. Shh. So she had used his abortion clinic as well as his regular clinic. Mm-hmm. At his regular clinic, he would give her samples of her medication, like her um, mental health medication, mm-hmm. when she didn't have the money to buy them. Okay. Yeah. Um. However, she told investigators that she had also performed table dances for him at the nightclubs.
0: Yeah. I thought it might be going there.
1: <clears throat> yep. And yeah. he had started calling her regularly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She later told investigators that he wrote her a letter on February 8th saying he could no longer be her doctor because his wife had learned of the phone calls he made to her and he didn't want to get a divorce. Okay. Um but she said that they never had a personal relationship. She said it was never physical okay. other than the table dances. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um some believed that this woman might have become jealous of Susan. And had killed her to get to John.
0: That was kind of my thought, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So so several of the people thought this because um everybody is saying, like, it can't be John. He's got an alibi and he's the most mild-mannered and nice person they've ever met. Like he doesn't get mad. He loves her. Like, there's no way it could be him. However, forensic evidence led investigators to believe that John in fact was the killer. Ooh, so they found Susan's blood, hair, and flesh inside the vehicle, his vehicle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was on the steering wheel. It was on the seats. Um. However, he explained this as he had gotten off the phone with emergency with 911 and he realized that his car was in the way of response vehicles. Okay. Okay. So he went to go after performing CPR on her, where the blood and everything would be right, on Right, right, right. He went to go move the car, but he was so shaken up he couldn't even get the keys in the ignition. So that's why it wasn't actually moved when they got there. Okay. Yeah.
0: All and right. He, when all he right. couldn't
1: do it, he yeah. And so then when he couldn't move it because he couldn't get the keys in, he went back inside to continue performing CPR.
0: Okay, seems like
1: a flimsy excuse at best, but okay. Yeah, um, and they said, "Well, you're a medical professional. You know that every second counts when performing CPR. Like, why would ah. you stop?" And he he was like, "I think I just knew subconsciously that she was already dead." Okay, well, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Emergency responder, uh, it was a firefighter, Dave Bradbury, said that when he arrived on scene. John Hamilton was doing CPR compressions, but it wasn't the correct way. And remember, this guy is a doctor. Exactly. So he knows how to do CPR. So he had one hand on her chest and he had the other on her abdomen. What? Trying to do compressions. Yes. So unless there's some weird reason why you would do compressions on the abdomen. On the abdomen. I I've I've never heard of
0: that me neither not that I'm a medical professional by any means but I mean
1: yeah I'm I'm CPR certified so I know same I'm like that I wouldn't consider that CPR then if that's maybe that's another medical technique but I mean even the EMT or the firefighter he was like that's not how you do CPR yeah and he as a doctor would know that and he as a doctor would know that Um, he said that also it didn't seem like he was doing any mouth to mouth on her either. Like there was no sign of that. And Hmm. so like, I mean, her face is mangled. Like if he had been doing mouth to mouth, he would have blood like on his mouth from trying to do mouth to mouth on her, which is a part of CPR. Mm -hmm. And there was no evidence of that. He said there was no blood on his face.
0: Mm. Sketchy.
1: Yeah. When police arrived on scene, they put John in the back of a police car and they said he was acting strangely. Now, part of this, I think, part of it I get, like, why they would say he's acting strangely, but part of it, too, I'm like, okay, the guy just, if he's not guilty, the guy just found his wife in a puddle of blood. She's mangled. You don't think you would be acting strange, like, if you came to that? Yeah, like, how can you
0: define normal behavior in that situation? Like, everybody's going to respond right. differently.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So, apparently, he was scraping his hands and banging his head on the metal mesh in this the police car. Okay. So, like, I, I guess, like, the barrier yeah. between the back and yeah. the front seats, that metal mesh, he was, like, scraping his hands on it. And he was banging his head on it. Okay, that, I mean, I don't want to I mean, say, it's weird. Like, yeah, that's
0: weird because who am I to say how someone should respond in shock and, you know, having just discovered something traumatic, but like, I just, it seems a
1: little off. It does seem off. So they took his clothes for evidence because he was covered in blood mm-hmm. and they placed him in an interrogation room. They found fresh scratches on his arms and an injury to his shoulder. Mm. Okay. So their thought was he was scratching himself in the car. <laughs> to create injuries. To try to cover it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. However, he had an airtight alibi. Or was it? Mm. So the surgery he was supposed to have that morning was supposed to start at nine. However, it was delayed until 9.40 because he was late. Oh, okay. So a uh, person at the hospital said like the medical team already had the woman under anesthesia that was supposed to have the surgery oh. when the medical team realized he wasn't there. He was at home. Yikes. Okay. And they were like, that's unheard of. Like that never happens. One that right. never happens with him, but that just like never happens period at the hospital. No so um there were signs that whoever had done the crime had started cleaning up the blood and then abandoned it so investigators believed that maybe he was trying to clean it up when he got the call from the hospital saying where you at get here right and he stopped cleaning up because there was like a rag in the blood where it looked like and the blood had been moved around oh okay yeah so they're that, thinking maybe he tried to clean it up and then stopped.
0: That's really dumb, though, because, like, how was he going to play it off? If he was going to play it off like it was a murder, like, you wouldn't clean it up. Why would you start yeah. cleaning it up?
1: I don't huh. know. Okay.
0: Okay. Strange.
1: Um. And then also later, so it seems like this happened a few days later from what I read, that somebody was trying to help prepare um Susan for burial and they were looking to find um some of her clothes and stuff to bury her in and they found her jewelry in her underwear drawer Mm -hmm. so I mean like I did that in college when I had roommates I put my nice jewelry in my underwear drawer but this is an adult woman who lives with her husband they have a nice house they've got nice things you don't Put that in your underwear drawer you you leave that on your dresser i do wonder though
0: because they had had so many threats and protesters outside of their home that maybe she was just trying maybe she had moved it there relatively recently to try to protect it from any like
1: possible break-ins or something
0: that That would be be my thought that would be my thought
1: yeah so the thought that the investigators had was that john was trying to make it look like it was a robbery gone bad And had hid the story with the to get rid of it. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah. That makes sense, that. I still think that the underwear drawer is not a good spot. If you're really going to hide it. No. Unless they're thinking he just wasn't in his right mind. Yeah.
0: Which, I mean, sounds like maybe it wasn't.
1: Right. Um. So... Although Susan had been strangled with two neckties, her injuries that proved to be fatal came from a weapon that investigators never found. Oh, okay. Um, so that's another reason that the stuff in his car, like her blood and her mm-hmm. hair and all that, they think it might have come from the murder weapon. Yeah. And that he had taken it in his car on his way back to the hospital and disposed of it somewhere on the way to the hospital. Yeah. That makes sense. And that, and that that came from the murder weapon being in the car. Yeah. Yeah. That
0: makes a lot more sense than like, I was going to try to move the car, but then I was nervous and I couldn't start it. So I didn't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but they, they never found it.
0: So because of
1: that, they brought in a blood spatter expert Okay. So he looked at um the blood on John's clothing and he said it does match with him trying to perform CPR.
0: Okay.
1: However, the blood on his shoes does not match with performing CPR. Okay.
0: The blood spatter
1: yeah. the, the blood spatter on them was consistent with the spatter from her being beaten.
0: Oof.
1: Okay. They also found a blood pattern on his shirt, consistent with the imprint of the weapon used to bludgeon her. Ooh. So although they didn't have the weapon, they could see from the imprint in her skull from being beaten, the general shape of the weapon. Yeah. What was it? And that match, they never said.
0: Nothing oh, I okay. saw
1: said. Weird. Uh, yeah. Um, And so it matched like basically it was like he had picked it up after Mm -hmm. it had been beating her so it had blood all over it and he pressed it to his shirt to carry it and -hmm. so there was an imprint of that on his shirt like he had stamped it
0: yeah that's crazy um
1: but they don't have the weapon to do like a concise like comparison right um they can just compare it to the skull which they say it matches the skull but again no murder weapon makes that harder to yeah. Yeah, it does. prove in court. Mm-hmm. Um, when it went to trial, nobody was sure how the case would go because um there's evidence, but you're missing the murder weapon. You're also missing the true motive because yeah. several people had said, including the neighbor, and John said this too, which of course, if John's guilty, he's gonna say whatever he can mm-hmm. to try to get out of it. But even the neighbor said that. Susan had told her I really don't think that John had an affair oh okay so like before hmm. she had died like she was saying like I believe him I want to make this work yeah I don't think he had an affair and John said that he had started going to counseling and that she had gone to counseling with him too okay hmm. so I wonder. like
0: I wonder like if Yes, she said that, like that she believed that he didn't do it and all of that. But then Mm -hmm. something else happened to where it was like, oh, actually he did. And then they got in a fight and then it was all very sudden because it doesn't sound like it's like premeditated because he didn't do a great job. Like it sounds like it was a spur of the moment, like anger. And then like, oh, crap, what did I do? Sort of thing. Not necessarily like, oh, she knows I'm having an affair. I'm going to murder her. Like it sounds like a very like they were arguing and he just lost it. You know, I wonder if it was like she discovered something.
1: Yeah. And everybody had said, like, if they got divorced, it would devastate him. And so what I wonder, too, is like you is if something came up or she changed her mind and was like, I want a divorce and he just lost it. Yeah, maybe so. So it went to trial. Nobody's sure how it's going to go, because, again, there's not a clear, concise, like, I heard him say, I'm going to kill you if you do this. You know, like, no, right. no for sure motive. And there's no murder weapon. Um, So John's defense team had also gotten a blood spatter expert. Mm hmm. So when he got up to the stand, he, you know, rebutted all the evidence that the first one had said. He said, no, the blood spatter on his shoes could have been from him performing CPR too because the shoes were actually found not on him. They were found to the side of him. Oh, okay. And so he said they were loafers. Like he probably took them off to have a better grip on the floor to do CPR compressions. Okay. And then that, then it spattered on to the shoes because they were on the side from him doing the compressions oh okay i
0: mean i guess that makes sense i don't know anything about that sort of thing but that yeah i don't know i don't know either
1: (laughs) i mean it makes sense from with a little liner yeah yeah so he said like no states evidence is wrong like it's it's still cpr then the prosecution comes up and they say do you think That the expert for the prosecution or the state missed something in the blood spatter and it's it said he looked at the defense and he looked at the judge like waiting for an objection and then he said yes oh so this guy is an expert for john right for the defense but he gets caught he's under oath he gets asked a question by prosecution and so they asked him what do you think they missed? And he said the blood the, defense, the blood the sp- blood Why did the
0: defense not object to that?
1: Why did I they, don't let know. That continue.
0: That's so dumb. Okay. I
1: don't <laughs> know. So the expert says the blood spatter on the inside of the shirt could only have come from him beating his wife. And the instrument that he was using to beat her, pushing the blood up the sleeve.
0: Oh, oh, okay.
1: Yeah, so it was not; Yikes. it could not have been performed just splattering from him performing CPR. Like yeah. it, the instrument pushed the blood up inside the shirt. Mm.
0: Okay. Yikes! I cannot believe they did not object to that question. How dumb. But like, right? I mean, I'm glad they didn't because, like, justice, oh, right? But- <laughs> but it's just like, what, what are they thinking?
1: Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, um, John was pronounced guilty. Uh, they convicted him of first degree murder. Uh, the jury deliberated for two hours before sentencing him to life in prison without the possibility of parole.
0: Okay. That's really not
1: long to, that didn't take long. That did not take long. (laughs) they said like Hmm. there were comments from the jurors being like that's the shirt this is the shirt like do you see that on there Mm. which like jurors really aren't supposed to be talking but right right i don't (laughs) i don't blame them in that case like that's crazy for that to happen um so as a result he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole and he currently remains incarcerated at the dick connor correctional center in hominy oklahoma oh okay Dang. Um, and I didn't put this in my notes, but the judge even told him, like, you're lucky that death sentence was not on the table because a lot of the jurors said they wished that the death sentence was one of the options.
0: Dang. That's crazy. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and John afterwards said, you know, like I think his plan was to fight it. I don't know if he ever did. Um, because he said this blood better evidence you know one conflicted the other obviously it's not very reliable
0: i mean i kind of see where he's coming from with that if two different experts are like actually no we think the opposite things like right that's not great i mean i not that i'm like yeah this murderer's right he should get off scot-free
1: but like he's got a point with that actually he's got a point unfortunately like obviously i think he probably did it i think he just snapped yeah yeah I think so too
0: I don't think it was like premeditated I don't yeah I think he just no. lost it which is no excuse obviously but like obviously, obviously not just lost it
1: but yeah uh, I uh, he's right
0: about that not being too reliable it sounds like
1: it seems real sketchy to be honest yeah. but um but yeah that's yeah. that's the case of the that's Valentine's wild. Day killer Oh, uh, yeah. see, I had
0: heard about, like, the Valentine's Day killer, like, when I was, I was looking at mm-hmm. stuff, but I didn't know anything about it. That's crazy. On
1: well, that fun note.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a, I never know how to end these. Also, with the lag, too, it's like, I'll say something, and then it's, like, 10 seconds until you say something, and then, like, but then we're, like, talking at the same time. It's so awkward to figure out the timing is I know, so Well, bad.
1: sometimes, like, your voice freezes, and then it oh, does no. that weird speed-up thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. So, oh,
0: well, we'll see how the recording is.
1: (laughs) Hopefully it's okay. I hope so. All right. All right, guys. Don't forget to, uh, follow us on Instagram and, uh, make sure that you're subscribing on the places that you'd listen to us, share us to all your friends, coworkers, all the people. Yeah. Uh, if you have any on- suggestions. <laughs> oh, saying. this is so frustrating. Um
0: <laughs> support us on Patreon. Um, if you have any suggestions, feel free to send them to us on Instagram or our email at spookyokiepodcast at gmail.com. Uh-huh. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Stay spooky. Stay spooky.